0: I have come here to chew bubble gum and kick ass, and I'm all out of bubble. Gum.
1: There are, of course, those who do not want us to speak. Greed, deception, abuse of power, that's no plan. They they keep knowledge. you know they're they're total masters of deception. They manipulate everything. You know these these pricks at the hell that lie to us. It's...
0: I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Miss Lorensky. I never told anybody to lie. Not a single time. Never. These allegations are false. And I need to go back to work for the American people. They're they're setting it up for the great deception.
2: Yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it all revolves around the great deception.
0: Yeah, right? a, bingo. And L.A. and I talked about that. I said, L.A., is this the great deception? And he didn't hesitate. He said, absolutely. I never used to question before, and now I question everything. Well, we are opposed around the
1: world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence on infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of elections, on intimidation instead of free choice, on guerrillas by night instead of armies by day.
0: The world needs a wake-up
1: call. Welcome to the Great Deception podcast. I'm your host Matt. Thanks for joining me. Guys, again, this is a part 2 uh continuation of last week's uh sacred geography, sacred geometry, uh cathedrals, ley lines, all of that fun, interesting natural world stuff. Um and again, the reason and and this is from uh the Generation Z podcast when I was a guest on there, and I also brought along our good friend Matthew Smith from uh, The Marvelous Old World on YouTube. Go check out his work. Subscribe to his page. This guy is just knocking it out of the park left and right, and also Generation Z with Dave Z, Brandon Thomas from Expanding Realities. Guys, it's just fun stuff to talk about, and it makes you think. So, uh, and like I said, I'm in the middle of, of my son's baseball season and my son takes priority over anything in my life. So, uh, I'm dedicating my time to him right now and going about five to six nights a week with him, uh, on the baseball field and, uh, don't regret a second of it having an absolute blast. And uh, I just don't have time to research right now. So I'm trying to give you guys a little bit of content. This uh, was for the patrons only for a while. And uh, now I think uh, everybody should hear this because there's some great perspectives. A lot of this is a repeat of, of the episode that I did because it's from my presentation. But you get to hear Matthew's input, you get to hear Brandon's input, Dave's input, which adds a lot to the discussion. So I hope you enjoy this. Um, And on top of that, guys, I appreciate all the reviews that we get. So if you could leave a uh, a review on Spotify, I know they only do the star system. If you go on to Apple, leave a five star little comment. I appreciate it greatly because it does make a difference. It helps the show grow, get into more people's uh, algorithm and allow more people to see it. And if you think this is important stuff and people should be seeing it, that's one way you can help me out. Um, If you want to help out monetarily, you can always join the Patreon, which is patreon.com slash the great deception podcast. I have a couple of tiers out there, but you know, even the lowest tier, I will include you in everything. So I I appreciate all the support. Now, one more thing before we get this thing going, guys, if you could, help out my good friend, Ryan, okay, who tragically passed away. It's going on almost a little over 10 days now. And man, it it still stings. And uh, we've lost a good one. But he left behind a wife and two kids. And so anybody that can contribute to his GoFundMe for his family, they are not asking for much. And, you know, in return, the least we can do is donate a few dollars if you can to them it means the world to me um i'm putting my money where my mouth is and and donating as well i have donated and will donate again um so i I appreciate everything i mean it's the least we can do as a community is is to help people out when they're in need and this is a tragic situation And uh, I I think we all should step up to the plate and help out if we can. The link to the GoFundMe is down below in the show notes. And I will keep um, posting this um, until at least the goal is reached. And I hope we knock this goal completely out of the park. Ryan was a great dude. I I only knew him briefly, but man, he left an impact on my life. Uh, He's one of those guys that you instantly connect with. He was full of energy, full of life. We had a lot in common, went through a lot of the same struggles and demons back in the day. We're really family oriented, loved our kids. We talked a lot about our kids. He talked a ton about his wife and uh, it's just, it just hurts, man, to lose a good one like that. So to return the favor, the least we can do is help out his family in this time of need. So if you can go to the GoFundMe, you can check it out on my Instagram page. I have the the post pinned with the link. The link is also on my Instagram page in my bio, in my link tree. It's at the top. So anybody that can help out for Ryan and his family, in addition, you know, say a few prayers, send some good vibes their way. They're certainly needing of it. And that means a lot as well. Okay, uh... You know, like I said, it's just a terrible situation. It, it, you know, you you think it's going to get easier as you you get further and further away from it, but man, every time I hear his buddy Hank talk about it, or you know, listen to the old podcast that he did, man, it just—it's still doesn't sit right. So uh, we need to help out his family. It's the right thing to do, and it's going to a great cause. I will stand by it. I will put my honor on the line for this, if that means anything to any of you, because uh, Ryan was a good one. That's for sure. So let's get back to business a little bit. Reviews. I got a a good one here from our friend, the Bushcraft baloney a five-star review. He says, great show, been listening for a long time and should have left a review sooner. I listen to podcasts most of the day while I'm on the road. And the Great Deception podcast is always in the top three. I appreciate that, man. I really do. Um, I hope we keep putting out good stuff that you enjoy and reviews like that, man, mean the world to me. So thank you very much. I really appreciate it. We have a new patron, Kelly. I want to thank you for joining the patron and uh, we, by the time this comes out, we'll have had our patron call for the month, but in June, if I have a little time, I'm going to try and knock in two, maybe a little bit shorter ones so we can get more people involved. We're going to do it on a Sunday this time. um, And I'm going to try maybe next month to get a Friday and a Sunday where I can give you guys maybe two hours or so, and uh, and we can talk. I mean, we it, it, those are great talks. The people in there, my patrons, are the best. I swear. The people that are in there, we have great conversations. It's kind of like my show on a smaller level. They bring these cool topics. We're we're you know we're di- I'm digging in, pulling up stuff while we're going through it, and a lot of it's just life talk too you know just what's going on you know things and and we've made some great connections also i've i've got some people that have connected out in different areas that are now collaborating on some stuff and it's beautiful to see that's what this is all about it's about getting together and being stronger as a group and how do we do that we communicate we share ideas whether we agree or disagree that's the whole point of conversation you don't always have to agree with someone in order to have a conversation. That's what adults do. Children are the ones who get upset when somebody doesn't agree with their opinion and they storm off or call you names and all that stupid stuff. And there's a lot of those on Instagram. I'll tell you that. There's a lot of sick people on Instagram that need some help. And that's why this is a little different forum. And, and we have some good minds out here and we have some great discussions. We we talk old world, we talk new, you know, issues that are going on today. We talk um, you know, ideas to, to kind of break the matrix, break their spells, you know, things like electroculture and, and how do we, you know, get together as a community and things like that. So if that's something that interests you, you can head on over to the Patreon and, uh, and, and sign up and, and join in on our calls. And, and like I said, anytime you want to reach out and DM me, I try to get back to all my DMS on Instagram if it's worthwhile, if you're just gonna send me, you know, seventy five videos, I don't have time to watch every single video that everybody sends me. Um, although I do appreciate it, I try and watch, you know, a lot of them. But there's some people that just send me ten to fifteen videos a day, and I don't have time to watch them all. Um, I do have a life. I do have other things I have to do. So uh, I, I appreciate the support. So Kelly. Thank you for joining the patron, uh, being our newest patron, I should say. And uh, I look forward to speaking with you as well. Guys, I hope you enjoy this show. Stay strong and question everything.
2: Incredible uh work that we're going to be continuing to observe. I myself uh plan to be taking more of a a sort of uh behind the scenes, uh sort of behind the curtain role today, because we have with us um someone who I have immense respect for, uh, which is uh Matthew. And please, Matthew, if you'd like to introduce yourself more formally so I don't mess anything up here. My name is Matthew Smith.
0: It's a real pleasure to be here. Thank you very much for this invitation. Uh Matt, you know, thank you for setting all this up and hooking hooking me up with these fine gentlemen. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. As far as introductions, I just started my own podcast called Marvelous Old World on YouTube. I've been looking uh, deeply into the mystery of uh, Old World Seattle, uh, the Seattle Fire, and I think it is reflective of a lot of the same stories of... Cities, city development and architecture, old world architecture and urban fires uh, all across the country. So I live next to Seattle. Um I'm an architect, practicing architect. I specialize in roundhouse design, such as what you see behind me, and uh, really enjoy this niche. And uh,
2: that's it. Uh, for now, we'll get into it. Awesome. Um Matt, of course, if you'd like to introduce yourself and then Brandon, uh, obviously. Yeah, I have the Great Deception podcast,
1: guys. Thanks for having me. I I love coming on here. As I say every time, I love getting different perspectives as as to stuff. And and Dave, you have one of my favorite takes on everything. Uh, and Brandon, uh, always a pleasure to see you again, my friend. And Matthew, welcome aboard. And yeah, Great Deception podcast. You can find me on on YouTube. I'm mainly on Patreon though. That's where I put all of my stuffs because of obvious reasons um but on instagram also i like to post a lot of uh interesting posts as well on a wide variety of topics
2: awesome brandon of course
3: got a banging instagram and of course um the marvelous old world i'm already subscribed to so thank you so much matthew this is so cool and matt you know i mean all of this guys this is so dope Uh, and also Matthew don't let me forget I've got to connect you with this chick named Louisa Firethorn I had her on she lives right by you and she created this thing called the Sonosphere and it's sound that goes around you in speakers and show I'll connect you don't let me forget okay guys it's so nice to meet you all Uh, this is gonna be awesome I'm super fired up so same thing I'm gonna get out of the way like let's just (laughs) let's get it
2: yeah awesome so please uh, Matt or or Matthew whichever one of you guys would like to jump into it however you guys have anything uh, arranged or set up I will take a step back here and we will be continuing right from where we left off in last week's episode.
1: Yeah, and so basically last time we were here, we were talking about um, different sacred geography. And uh, just to fill anyone in that that missed the first one, I highly recommend going back and listening to the first one first, just to kind of get your feet wet as to where we're going here, because this is going to take it to the next step. And what we were looking at was what we deemed sacred geography and ley lines, which are energetic spots on the the earth that tend to be built over and over again repeatedly or they tend to be on certain lines where you find uh different building structures different stones and and all sorts of energetic you could say coincidences some say there's an energetic net that covers the planet both above and below that we got into when we talked about um so, some Telluric energy that would be below the ground and then you have the ethereal energy which is up in the atmosphere and in and, and the air um and so one of the things i wanted to touch on real quick before we get into the cathedrals was the obelisks because i found it quite interesting that they would go into egypt and These are all uh, on the screen here. There's, there's 21 um, ancient obelisks from Egypt that are still standing, and o- only a handful of them are in Egypt. The majority of them are in Rome. Uh, the Romans hijacked them and, and put them all over. There's one in Constantinople, Paris, London, um, and New York. And it's just a, a, another one of those things that you look at and you wonder why. Okay, it's not just for decoration. It's it's there's a there's some energetic reason why they put these on this spot. And you can actually draw a line from the one in London to through the one in New York, and it uh, connects out in Mexico, also um, very close to the pyramids. Now, one of the things I have a tough time with on on the lines is think about how wide you're pen is when you're drawing a straight line on a map in in scale. I mean, you're going across hundreds of miles at times with, with a pen line. So to say these things directly connect, I'm not going to go wholeheartedly, but I think there's something to it. Just look at this diagram here. It's a line basically from from London through the bottom of Egypt, and it's just solid pyramids. If there's no energetic value to these things or that line why would they all be there?
3: Mm-hmm. Now, these were all moved in a range, right? They were apprehended from Egypt where they originated and then moved and placed there. And it's interesting, the pattern that they chose. Was was there any correspondence, any like older temples or megalithic sites in the areas they chose to put those or anything else on that line? Like oh, you mentioned- all
1: of them, Brandon. They're all placed on previous sacred sites Mm -hmm. including new york i mean the one in new york is 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 there as well and then i mean we can also talk about the one that's not egyptian that's in dc also yeah right that's another one that's that's a a, a, it's not an ancient obelisk but it's one that was put there on a very energetic spot of our our area and it, it serves a purpose
3: I love what you said about the width of the pen. Do you think it's more of a like a fruit by the foot swath across and landmass, meaning that there's sort of a width to it rather than like specific thin area? Because it seems to be right. There's sort of a, and what do you think that milescape is? If if so, you know what I mean. What that range of area yeah. of sacred land stripe.
1: Yeah, I don't know what you think about it, Matthew, but I tend to see the ley lines as almost um, like the currents that you would see in, in a wind current. Right. And, but, and, and they go both directions. Sometimes some go East, West, some go North, South. So, you know, so it's kind of that you get that checkerboard feel to it, but I don't think it's like perfect nineties, you know, I, I don't think it's like a hard 90 perfectly. I think there's some, you know, like when you look at uh, the Fibonacci sequence, Right. Mm -hmm. It's not just a straight line. It's more of has that vortex feel. And I I feel like that could be something to it as well. I don't think it's just like a straight grid pattern, right? Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah, it does. It feels like sort of like the wind currents that ships would take to go from east to west across the long stretches of ocean or something. It's just this current that flows. I love putting it that way because then it connects more energetically.
1: And Mm -hmm. I think it's dependent also on the poles. I think where the pole yeah. placement also has a significant impact on the lines at the time. And as the poles shift, I think the lines also will slightly shift. Damn.
0: So
3: it's but like electromagnetic grid. Right. So yeah. They're going to start moving obelisks around again? I,
1: I think you'll see it. I, I don't think it's far-fetched, right? I think, I, I think that if you think about... As we shift into what's the next religion, right. if there's a next new religion, they're gonna come up with new sacred sites, and there's definitely gonna be things built on them and old relics move to them to harness whatever energy is in these things, right? That's that's why I laugh when people are like, Oh, they're just rocks. No, these are these are vessels. These are energetic vessels that they use. And again, in the first episode, Matthew, one of the things we talked about was intention a lot. Mm -hmm. And whether when we get into the star forts, uh, I've had previous conversations with Brandon and Dave about those. And in speaking with those, it kind of depends on the intention that was put into the to the fort. Kind of like when you get into uh, Miyoto's work with water.
3: Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. And
1: and that's kind of how I feel with with the grid sometimes and these these what would be point standing points or the obelisks in this instance. You know, depending on what intention they're placed with and what they're trying to draw from, you're going to get different results, I think.
0: What obelisks make me think of and you often have them in pairs outside of the entrance of temples um, or you have them as a focal point in the center of a plaza. What they make me think of are like antenna, like a, an, an etheric te- antenna. Um, now, similar to that would be like the stone towers in Ireland. And I've read that farmers um, who have crops where there's a stone tower in the middle of the field will say that they graze their cattle there because the grass grows stronger and more healthy close to the stone tower. Now, why would that be? And, uh, you know we do know and not to get ahead of you on your um, your presentation but we d- we do know that pyramids uh, can be measured uh, or the uh, the uh, effect on hyper focalizing electromagnetic currents can actually it's de- detectable. It can be measured in a pyramid. so why would that also not be true with with obelisks or stone towers for that matter?
3: Damn! it oh for sure. One. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Great point. It's a fascinating, gentlemen.
1: Yeah, and you see these things all over the world, right? Like what Matthew was just alluding to, you'll see that the same sacred geometry in these pyramids all over the world, whether it's India, North America, Middle East, Europe, you, <laughs> you start seeing these different patterns that form. And it's amazing when we get into the cathedrals what we start seeing is and and we read the quote last time about the the pope who made the edict and he he reiterated it three times that you can get rid of all the idols in the building but the building remains and we will take care of the rest and so there's something to these lands where they will just rebuild right on top and i i kind of wanted to play this this short little clip from um an episode I saw on the travel channel um, and they, they talk about when they found these sacred sites. Oh, hold on. I got to share my sound. Otherwise you're going to hear nothing.
3: It's okay. Awesome. Absolutely. Awesome. I mean even that this picture that you're showing us has like dug out the uh, under the large platform on the front it has like dug out windows like tatari like it's already gone through a first mud flood you know what i mean
1: yep and that's yeah that's what they're saying is power
3: lines okay and that these in themselves have power in the land this was the 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 craft of of the wise. We believed in in, in Mother Earth and and
1: that we go back to Mother Earth and and it's not really a bad thing at all. And they nicked all of the ideas, all of the the pagan sites and Christianized it and splashed holy water on it and and nicked all of the, the religious relics and things that were inside and I
3: would imagine they're probably still tucked away somewhere
1: Underneath the Vatican. right and 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 so they didn't get rid of all those relics either they i don't think they destroyed a lot of them i think they kept no. them yeah. and and we're seeing some of those you know ghosts of the past or boogeymen of the past coming back and and just as an example of what they were just talking about you know there used to be a star fort where the world trade centers were located
2: so i did not know that holy cow yeah yeah, yeah a... he
3: just breezed in over that one, didn't he? I didn't either. I was like, what the fuck? Damn, yep. Matt.
1: I, I okay. recently found this out about, a ye- uh, about six months ago. I was looking at some old maps and came across this one on the right here. And you're like, oh, wow, I did not know that. And then you look and, and it overlays directly to where the Trade Center sites are. And it makes sense with the alignment that they have there now of the you know ground zero memorial which is in alignment to osiris so Mm. matt could i throw something in on lower manhattan of course you can you've been down there
0: so lower well i used to live in newark so right across the hudson river and i you know i watched the world trade center burn from the roof of my architecture building in newark um but so lower manhattan is the financial district and matt and i have um come up, come upon this uh, time and again where in these great fires, these urban fires in like the late 1800s, early 1900s, it's always the business districts that get torched, right? In the circumstances around the fires or something else, another another podcast for another day. But it's interesting that it's always the business district. Now, New York City had three great fires. One, I think, in 1837, one in 1847 around there and then one later like maybe the 1870s or so so they had three great fires all in the business district all in lower manhattan in this area that matt is pointing out right now where the star fort was and where you know the world trade center footprint was so you know whatever's going on down there is pretty highly charged well and
1: and looking at the map on the right also what drove what made me look at it even more is the, the whole tip of the Island is a star fort. You look and they have the
2: within a star fort.
1: Yes. And, and it's one of the things that Matthew and I have also come across is this book called cities of the world. Mm. And what astonished me about this book. And and I have some actually, yeah, I have some photos later on that I was going to talk about, but one of the things that you see one of the things that you see is all of the cities of the ancient world were star forts. They were all walled cities at one point. Now, this is just from, what was this, Matthew? This was late 1500s, early 1600s?
0: At these paintings, uh, yeah. Almost like surveys.
2: of yeah. The- if I sorry, if I could take a, an esoteric approach with respects to what uh, Matthew was saying about the financial um, districts or vicinities geographically in which financial transactions occur, seem to have th- at least to be the first geographical areas that get some type of disaster. To me, and again, this is a purely non-data-oriented theory, to be clear and fair, Um, it speaks to this idea of egregores, this concept of neurological form constants, and these thought forms sort of being um, a, a form in which needs to be rebalanced, whether for better or worse is not what I'm trying to say here, but the destruction of such via that of mass intent paying attention to it may, in fact, there may be some correlations there, but I'm just speculating. Thank you. Yeah absolutely
1: oh definitely could be yeah for uh, sure dave
3: also before we move on here um it sort of looks like and i'm just gonna say it because of the osiris alignment uh penis guys uh totally phallic uh symbolism in this i mean it looks like a goddamn circumcised penis and that the tip there is mm. where you sort of shoot <laughs> the galactic load right now the, a lot of the osiris alignments and stuff like that that's not a sword at his belt that's not what the ancients believed they believed it was this fucking cock, man and the whole thing about this is i mean the whole mythology then ties into Egypt as well, which then now you're talking obelisk, which was obviously also an, a reference to Osiris's phallic member that his brother cut off, cut off, and his wife uh, fashioned a new one out of gold. So this is the whole thing about this. You know, if it's Osiris worship, then I mean, look at this; it's primed uh, to look like a penis, and I hate to be the one to point this out, but there mm-hmm. you
2: go. No, that's very interesting yeah I mean, if I could say that even with some of the work that I do and just in general, when you look at even the um this idea of what Matthew was saying earlier about antennas and this concept of pyramids and all of that, it, it, to, to to build this and in order to understand this type of electromagnetic resonance that occurs is just a in my opinion, a nuts and bolts version or variation of what occurs in our body organically mm-hmm. so. In other words, to your point, I think it's not as, as, you know, silly as it sounds. I think it's also eerily accurate as well.
1: Well, yeah. And you lead us right into that, Dave, which is the sacred geometry of it all. Oh, nice. You know, and that's what we start seeing across these ancient buildings. And they say that, you know, the Masons obviously brought this over is, is who's credited with these. But the life form, you know, with their alchemical river flow underneath them. Which helps connect the building, you know, in into, you know, you're connecting the lower level with the spiritual level. And also from an energetic standpoint, that water is a great conductor. So most of these, you know, larger cathedrals have some sort of water source underneath them, which... So-
2: if I'm grasping what you're saying, Matt, wow, that's very well said and thought out, in my opinion, because if we think of an onion and there's multiple layers, if we have, for example, quadrant X on the surface and we're trying to effectuate quadrant, I don't know, let's say uh, Y on the other end of the onion, instead of going around on this that same surface, you then penetrate the densities of the layers of the onion and then work your way through. And there's that alchemical correlation underneath. That mm-hmm. then rise uh, uh, vertically. Yes. Wow. Yep. Yeah. And and then you see
1: it in these different uh, construction forms all around the world. Like the Hindus, they would have everything, wanted it to be square. And they would establish everything from east to west. And then they would lay out the rest of the building. Um, and then in Buddhism, you would get more of the mandala style of building that would almost lead up into the pyramids that you would see and and that the they tended to be more along the lines of the the mandalas the flower of life's um you know metatron's ratio that kind of thing where they were in in balance and and it basically resembled what we have here is that star that you again we talked about it lap- last episode with the star of david um and that pattern that you see over and over again
0: yeah and you know Matt and I have talked about this before where if you know a sacred structure is a sacred structure because it performs a sacred function and if you want to line align human with the divine well then the, the building that you know you're you're vibrating within its vibration right its electromagnetic field is helping to align you know your 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 spirit body Right. And so what better way to do that than to build the building according to natural law and natural harmonies, natural resonance.
1: Yep. And that's why we get into this sacred geometry of the balance. You have the rose windows that we spoke of, and it's all in their elements. They're, they're all parts of these cathedrals. Um and one of the interesting things is is the cathedral construction kind of came out of nowhere mm. um especially the gothic craze it it just popped up and they say between 1050 and 1350 now again when it comes to dating i'm as suspect as anyone with some of this stuff because i i feel like they just kind of have it arbitrary here and there and and sometimes but Being with their timeline, we'll go with it now, it says between 1050 and 1350, 80 cathedrals, 500 large churches, and tens of thousands of minor churches were constructed in France alone. So in 300 years, in just France, so what's... And this is what Chris Hardy was getting into. Well, why would you need all of these large, massive structures? You don't have that overflowing population. It's not like there was a massive population expansion at this time. But what she's saying is they were tying in with the the infrastructure. And they were trying to get at peak alignment right there by putting as many of these nodes out there Mm-hmm. To get the frequency going and see if they could get something really going there.
3: It's sort of like uh, the Sooners. You remember the, you know what the Sooners were in American history, where they there was this land grab and they basically uh, set up these dates to where everybody was going to line up. It's in a movie. Uh, forget the movie, Dances with the Wolves or something. Anyway, and all these people would line up and basically they say go at a certain time and everybody runs and then they plant their stake at a certain lot. And you got to keep the land. They were just trying to get people to settle west. They were like, just go. But there were people called Sooners that went out early, like nights and weeks before. And they camped out in spots in secret so that when those train rides of people came by, they planted their flag and they stood there. They're like, yeah, yeah, we're already here. So they went in early and established their place of preference before anybody else was able to fairly get their shot at it. And so they were then able to establish their homestead there. And it sounds like this is what they did energetically: is go out and apprehend. They just plop a bunch of shit everywhere on these nodes. They're like, uh, "This is ours. Yeah, yeah, it's it's ours. We planted our flag already."
1: And, and while planting their flag, no one else could figure out how you were building your structure. Yeah. That was the other thing: the, the 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 secrets were off the charts. And if people found out that you were trying to steal their method it was it could mean death and there were a couple instances where people would you know they would have small battles over uh blueprints so to speak it's just wild and and so you see it over and over oh, There's sorry
3: uh, matt
2: almost as if the knowledge was far more significant than anything material correct <laughs> right yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. yeah it wasn't so much what and and part of it too dave was the
1: material of the building that they were using to build these buildings that was kept secret. What was, what was the stone that they used? What was the different patterns that they were using? You know, wow. what free, what uh, patterns in the Rose windows, obviously you could see it from the exterior,
2: but. This may be, sorry. And this may be a very layman question here, but I, I know nothing about architecture. The, this, this idea of particularly hundreds of years ago, having to build these things and to construct these things, how many individuals approximately are we talking here in order to enable this? If, if if anyone here happens to have an approximate idea. I mean,
0: that's a great question as far as numbers. I really don't know. Um, and I, I'll be honest, like I've never gotten a good answer for any of this, like who built them, how they built them, where the knowledge came. Right. We can say, okay, the stone came from this quarry and, you know, so forth like that, but um you know that's about it It'd be such a, an incredible mystery I mean you're coming out of the dark ages swinging with the yeah. most glorious architecture humanity's ever produced and right you know and and all of the descriptions of like building techniques are so simplistic almost to be like child you know children's stories you know like right. oh, it was just kind of trial and error and they figured it out as they went and they added flying buttresses because they needed extra support and this kind of thing is like no man this is like it's not just highly advanced architecture it's really highly advanced engineering and all of this has to be planned from the first
2: stone that you lay so they had it that clearly the, there was a plan before they even laid that first stone it had to have been right I mean, they're, they're
0: so
1: massive right
0: Sights. right
3: right yeah you know mm-hmm.
1: yeah and I mean look at these some of these they're just this isn't done On a whim. Right. (laughs) You know, and and like we talked, we talked about these three specifically last time, because these are three sites that were built specifically. And these are just French examples of three sites that were built on previous sacred sites. You had uh, Chartres, which is built over a Druid shrine. You had Notre Dame, which is built over a temple to Isis or a Roman goddess Diana. And then you have St. Sulpice Church, which is built above a temple to Isis. So there's three examples in France alone where they did exactly what the Pope had ordered is is take over these ancient sacred grounds and buildings and then we'll, we'll Christianize them.
3: You know, then, uh, that Isis apprehension, the Osiris uh, phallic, all of that kind of stuff, you know, the Osiris uh, is all over the world. I'm reading a book called Kivas of Heaven by this guy named Gary A. David, and uh, it's all about um, ancient Hopi and how all of this star alignment stuff was all to Osiris, and it had Isis tie and he talks about Egypt in here as well. So it's so wild that it all ties in. We need to do an episode just at some point. I'm just going to drop it here where we talk about was America, perhaps ancient Egypt and not the other way around. We'll do one of those.
1: I'm, I'm reading a book right now called, uh, what is it? American Antiquities by Josiah Priest. Uh, it's from 1834. And he, he's alluding to the first Americans and how, you know, Egypt may be over here also.
3: Yeah. It, so we'll talk about it. Yeah. It was quick
2: question. In the Nile. Before we move on, uh, Matthew, quick question, man, I, and I don't mean to put you on the spot here, but at any point in your schooling or career, have you come across anything, um, any architectural designs, uh, dare I say, pre-World War One? Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah, just architecture design in general, pre-World War One. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, the Victorian architecture,
2: you know, certainly cathedrals, you um, do you find any of those patterns in in what you had were shown or, or t- studied any of those similar to what we're looking at here or no
0: no 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 as far as like the energetics energetic function of these buildings sacred structures no that's completely devoid it's all about style right okay it's right. almost like fashion you know things are discussed right. as like a, a fad or a you know a, you know they might get into that there was you know craftsmen's guilds and that thing, and but no. As far as actual uh, trans transcendent function of these buildings, no, no discussion whatsoever. And we okay. could have a really interesting conversation about the missing bits of architectural history, um, oh. which is something you know Matt and I have been delving into as well. Um, but. Yeah, I'll hold
2: the reins on that because we'll just- i would love to if 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 not not to put anyone on the spot here but if any of you guys would like to save that for say an episode in a week or two from now i'd be more than excited and happy to do it so but sorry matt please fl- the floor is yours yeah I'll no
3: the audience everybody yes yes we do want to do that
1: <laughs> yeah oh for sure yeah and and one of the things that we talk about when we talk about these buildings is the reparations right when they're doing repairs to these. They have to remain intact to remain functioning so that when they're doing these repairs, they have to do it a not only with the good intention, but the respect for the ancient architecture itself. And one of the things that we're, I'm starting to see is these repair jobs that are done that don't fit the old way. And it almost seems like they've now knocked that building out. Or as we talked about before, castrating these buildings when they take off the steeples and things like that it's and and matthew i know we we've talked about this as well that you you know you have to intention plays a big part in a lot of this as well and the material itself
0: right yeah i mean just picture if you're if you have an instrument like you have a piano and you're repairing and if you stick nylon
1: strings in there and you're like oh that's good enough it's not going to work right it's just not going to vibrate it's not going to perform well we talked and we talked about the cement right how the cement has changed over time as well which you know used to be known as the roman concrete mm-hmm. and uh it, that's not the same as the stuff that's used today it's not Do, even close you want to
0: get into that a little
1: bit uh sure. yeah because I'm of not. the just because of the energetic value of it right because of the makeup the composition of it w- was different and 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 you go ahead
0: yeah well i'll try to make it short um so the old world you know, what we call old world buildings um, in the United States were the cement that they were using was called American cement or natural cement or rock cement. And uh, it was quite different than the Portland cement uh, that they started using from like 1890 onwards. And then there was just a big, like forgetful, like amnesia within the building trades uh, within, within the building industries where they just, seem to forget that they ever used this natural cement and the difference with the natural cement was that it was just the gr- the rock that they dug out of the ground in his mines like the Rosendale mine in new york state um in the catskills and they would just mine this rock and then pulverize it and produce the cement directly from it and it was made out of that calcium silicate which if if you think about that you have calcium which is you know like what our bones are largely made up of and then the silicate is like basically quartz and if you put quartz under pressure produces electrical charge the piezoelectric property of compressed quartz crystals so if you can imagine like a massive structure that's made up of this cement this natural cement that produces charge when compressed i mean you're you know you can let your mind you know your imagination wander with that um So it has that property of being, um, having like an an inherent electromagnetic property, but also has other incredible properties like Roman cement that it it hardens underwater. It continues to harden for centuries, over the centuries. It's self-healing. It's, you know, and so our old buildings in this country were built with that before the late 1800s. And then, as I said, they forgot somehow, and then started producing things with Portland cement, which is Kind of you know it's just got like four or five or six different ingredients in it and it's brittle. They like it because it hardens fast. It's a quick set cement. That's why they is like there, more than cement.
2: Is there a quick question? Is there anything that you're familiar with either either Matt or Matthew about um uh, any cement or material that enables not just piezoelectricity but oxidization of the material itself by chance? Um, well, I know bricks. I I don't know if this addresses
0: your question but bri- uh bricks have um iron oxide within them okay. and that's used to store they're using that to actually uh create bricks as battery packs to soar- store charge now Um gotcha.
2: is that yes I'm th- along those lines yes yeah mm-hmm Awesome. Cool. Thank you. No, I'm just wondering because the, the reason I ask, guys, is because there have been some ceramic engineers that have allegedly over the past few decades stumbled across a uh, very, t- I say this carefully, but some type of free energy anti-gravitic scenario where the oxidization of particular cements and ceramics mixed with piezoelectricity induced some effects. So that's the reason why I ask that. Very interesting. I'd like to look into that more. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll chat more after the the call. I'll I'll get your uh your email or whatever.
0: <laughs> yeah, we're we're always learning. You know, we're we're learning as we go ourselves
1: here. Right, right. Yeah, and and this is just basically the you know the composition of the uh, architecture of these cathedrals. Just some high level stuff. Um, talking about how the walls and arches they have to be perfect to allow the sound waves to pass through in a in a fluid manner. Everything's circular, half circle. Um, that gives you the inner balance and the silence of it, and then the, the the gothic arches, which get you the that upward thrust, that uplifting consciousness or spiritual love, some would say. And and those all work together. So you have these components of these cathedrals, and so it says that these churches and cathedrals and and different points that we we spoke about are laid out in a variety of manners that you know are almost interwoven across this sacred grid and we talked about the sanding stones before and things like that that also incorporate into this structure now we have some examples of of people who believe that they have found ley lines there's a gentleman ian taylor who found eight lays Um, and six standing stones over about a 20-mile by 12-mile stretch. He said that uh, along the eight lays, there was no less than four churches or chapels, two castles, two Roman sites, 18 springs, 14 cairn, five tumuli, and six fjords. So he took this little area, and he found all of this energetic activity taking place and that's just a small area. Now, imagine if we were able to expand that search across greater points of the earth. I mean, it's just, it, it would take a lot of resources, but I'm sure you're going to find this same sort of pattern in whether it's standing buildings now or buildings that have been destroyed across the globe. I, I don't think this is just strictly inherent to Europe. I think this is something you would find in in South America, North America, uh, Asia, obviously the, the Middle East.
2: I was going to say to your point, Matt, if if um if we're speaking to this idea of how within the cathedrals and and all of this and the structures uh, themselves, there are fractalized microcosms of the grander structure, and however all the measurements have to be perfect, it would seem very it would. I guess you could say uh, it would. Let's. I'll use a fancy word. It would bethrall me to think that they have to only be perfect geometrically on one part of the planet. Then you know, say screw off to the rest of the planet. Yeah. Especially if we're looking at it from a, a fractal sense, right? So that that makes perfect sense to your point. I don't see why it would be exclusive to just one part. So no,
1: and what we get is obviously the very uh, Roman European version of history, and that includes architecture as well. So. Trying to break that is tough. And that's why I think a lot of people now, I hate using the word Tartaria, but that gets people thinking about ancient, you know, the Asian side of things, the Russian side of history that we aren't really told about. And, and that they, you know, they, they could build stuff too, if you, if you look in the history books and they but had the, an understanding. really the,
2: the of, Eastern Europeans.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yep and and a lot you know and that's that's what i like to dig into because what we've been indoctrinated with is just a very eurocentric version of history and and when you get outside of that you start seeing, oh, wow, there's very similar stories in other cultures as well and very similar styles. So it's not that, you know, the Europeans were this genius race that, no, they borrowed, it seems like, from a lot of people. But they were the one, they're the latest in line. So they're the ones who are telling us about it now. And, uh, yeah, so one of the big things, and, and I find fascinating, is finding this golden proportion and the golden rectangle. Which is a lot like what, Dave, you were referencing last time um, with the ratios and how in architecture, uh, there's geometric figures that are based on a golden proportion. It's it's the mathematical proportion that's held uh, sacred since Egyptian times and was part of the sacred geometry developed by the, by Pythagoras. And it's, uh, what is the exact? Uh, they don't know how I can't see it here. 1.168 is what they boil it down to one point six one eight. sorry I'm a little dyslexic (laughs) but what you start seeing is and and Brandon what is this this is a Fibonacci right
3: oh yeah oh yeah that's a golden ratio I mean it's in everything you know and it's almost like if the builders have figured something out that by mimicking something that's everywhere found in nature and just building like that there's gifts that are offered here in a divine sense and they just figured that out but also to the inverse of that. What we see around us today seems to be an apprehension of that by means of deliberately not creating buildings and structures in harmony with nature as to apprehend the energy so again it's interesting that we have examples of this but it also seems so simple right i mean it's all around us it seems like a no-brainer and it's interesting the indoctrination from this side of it seeing it as ubiquitous in the old days and just like i don't know like all of us probably in some other life were back there building these things and like laughing about how awesome life is and then now we're talking about how cool these were and like what the hell happened yeah it's interesting i love it dude it's fascinating you guys are awesome (laughs) yeah this is a
1: little uh david wilcox clip right here where he talks about uh churches and the sacred geometry now take david wilcox as he will some people are for him some people are against him message over messenger we got to get past that stuff
2: When we get into ley lines, we find out that all these ancient monuments like Stonehenge are built on the same straight line pathways where these churches, abbeys, and cathedrals are built on. What I'm suggesting is that the cathedral is an ascension mechanism. First of all, they burn frankincense and myrrh, and we know now that frankincense has these weird chemicals in them called sesquiterpenes, which when you breathe them, it actually activates your pineal gland. The pyramid effect from the roof... You're hearing this stuff it's echoing and then you're looking at that stained glass window which is a mandala you get this huge spiritual hit but you don't know why perfect ascension chamber built to activate your consciousness the night templars brought all that science over from egypt yes
1: so yeah that gets us into the 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 cathedrals and the layouts and i i really think going back that these you know obviously these were places of worship but i think more than that they were places of healing they were places of connection right that that connection with the source connection with the the architecture the energy of the land i think it was a very important. They, these were more than just a place of worship back in the day. And I think the effort and the planning and design that went into them shows that. Um, and Matthew does, uh, pulled out these three great examples right here of looking at cathedrals and how they align with the human body. And if you notice uh, in the middle, you're going to enter through the lower chakra Right, you're gonna you're gonna reside in the heart chakra. You're gonna receive word from the throat chakra, and then the the intention and the the elevation is going to come from the front of the church. Come from this. That's usually where the rose windows are. That's usually where the uh, steeples are. Things like, you're gonna get the highest elevation points of ascension there. And I, I just found it fascinating that he found even with Solomon's Temple. It, it, the layout is perfectly human all the way down to having the building at the at the feet.
2: This is a phenomenal Amazing. Uh, comparison of pictures, in my opinion. I th- I've always said myself that with respects to the UFO, UAP uh, phenomenon, uh, what we're looking at when building the craft in a nuts and bolts sense is just a replication of what we already are organically. And I don't say that uh, you know, as a fact or anything. That's just my perspective. It could change. But as of now, I, I mean, this seems to even corroborate that too. Well,
0: this is more of the the self-similar fractal. Fractality of this right. you know, talking about the Fibonacci sequence, like the body is, you know, from top to bottom, the ratio of, you know, your, your, your finger sections to the whole, and so forth. It's all Fibonacci golden, golden ratio down the line. And so wouldn't it make sense that a sacred building would also align with the human form in, in that fract you know, in that
1: fractal sense? yeah exactly uh, Matthew.
3: This is absolutely fascinating. you know if you Google Cochina, um, those actually the Hopi Cochina dolls that mimics exactly that pattern on the left and the the furthermost left and middle one um, mm. with the headdress like that it's sort of a you know you can view that as sort of Native American garb as well. Oh yeah you
1: of, see that right here, Brandon you're absolutely yeah. right on the especially the one on the left you see the what would be the feathers or the plumes? Yes. You know, that plume serpent look.
3: Yeah. Interesting. And so I've um, got Cochinas pulled up on the other side, but you guys Google Cochinas. That's a little homework for everybody. And it's awesome. You can compare them side by side. But this is a phenomenal image. I've screenshotted it for the thumbnail for the episode. Thank you.
2: Yeah.
1: And we, again, this is just another example of the temple as a body. Uh, looking at the the comparable points. And I, I really think like Dave was saying before, you see these repeating patterns in nature and whether it's in the physical form, it's in the spiritual form, it's in architecture. I think we see these repeating patterns throughout whatever it is that's natural in this world where I think we run into issues is, is in the synthetic world and you don't get these natural patterns. And that disrupts the flow of the natural patterns. And I think that's one of the major issues we have today is, is the synthetic materials used in things, the synthetic um, layouts that we use. We've gotten away from sacred geometric forms in a lot of things.
0: You know, and just a note on that, um, you know, my thing is that like architecture reflects the consciousness of the age that it came out of and like Brandon something you were saying before it made me just kind of pause and think like you know message to architects sometimes it doesn't take much to bring your building more into alignment with sacred principles it just takes thought but too many architects most architects i would say just just not thinking in those terms they're thinking about zoning codes and You know expedience and efficiency and and value engineering and and they come out looking like boxes that have absolutely you know no soul and no energy and they're not feeding us but we could like we we if we do our own work you know get to know ourselves elevate our own consciousness then as you know architects are in that position we can be bringing these principles to
2: bear yeah same thing with science
3: same thing Same with thing everything. With yeah. yeah, this is uh, music as well. The music industry sucks. I got label offers like crazy. Turned them all down. Thank God. But these mm-hmm. musicians that now have a vehicle with something like Spotify that can come up and do this and be put out and don't need be beholden to a system that holds you down. Right? Mm-hmm. This discipline, like you said, in science, but now because of the medium, like what we're doing right now, guys, and we just discovered a new one with architecture. It makes sense. Medical education, architecture. We can add that to the list that there are options of information here so you are gifted sort of the principles and now you're able to go out and choose your own way of appropriating it and it's beautiful what you're doing with it but also you have the juxtaposition of the industry at large that tells you that this is the way that successful people do it and we all know that there's a disharmony in that number one and number two it's not sustainable number i mean literally because of the materials are used and you know as an architect right they're not built to last anymore mm-hmm. but also Uh, Just as energetically, it's not sustainable. It creates the society we have. And now it's coming back around to this. And, but again, because of the medium we're talking on right now, we found another one, man. That's, I mean, it makes sense. It's beautiful.
0: And the world's calling for it. You know, people are hungry for this stuff.
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're doing it. This is what's so great. You know, we're just taking it back. We're like, yeah, no, thank you. But we'll do it this way. Yeah. We'll pass.
1: I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go back to the natural way. Exactly. Yeah. And that's why I love this. This diagram here on the left of the pyramid, because you can see not only the Vesica Pisces in it before, but if you take that uh, Telluric um, uh, obelisk uh, diagram we had before and overlay this, you're going to have that energetic flow right through the middle of this as well. And that's just, I mean, that's why you see the power of these pyramids. They are just, uh, you know, whatever they may be, their intent They are powerful, energetic sources, whatever, you know, wherever they're drawing from.
2: If I may point out with the right hand image, um, we see here that if we look where the number six is uh, between the arc and the altar, we see some lines that in my opinion, perhaps may represent an electrical resonance occurring. And those lines are in direct correspondence with if we move over to the number six on the human, where the heart is, which I find interesting because we know electricity can in fact impact the heart so I find that interesting oh yeah. yeah I didn't
1: even notice that Dave that's a good catch
0: Walter, look at
2: this Yep.
1: Yeah. wow yeah that's cool
2: it's also it reminds at least to me it reminds me of the the resonance that sort of zigzag line going between the tuning forks on the carvings in I believe ancient Egypt so yeah. there it speaks to it speaks to resonance With the
3: obelisk. I know what you're talking about. Some obelisks have that filled in lines across the center. We just think of them as stairs, but when you look at it architecturally like this, that makes a lot of sense, man. I
2: I think they're electrical resonance. I could be wrong.
3: Well, and that's a throat chakra too, in between heart.
2: Well, think about, think about what, uh, to your point, think about what Matthew was saying earlier about this type of cement that would induce piezoelectricity, which would induce a resonant effect. And if you align the frequencies to then phase lock at each other, you'd have a, 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 a visual like lightning bolts going back and forth constantly.
3: When it's brilliant to the heart, uh, the rose windows, the rose is 528 hertz, and that's the rose chakra. Uh, the heart chakra is the rose. That's its representation in 528 hertz. So that that would make sense that it would be represented in the windows as well. That Sorry. may be why what it resonates at. You know what I mean? Where,
2: my, my, my apologies, Brandon. Where, where's the 528 coming from? Or that's just like a known thing.
3: Yeah, it's a known thing in frequency music. There's several uh, frequency oh, okay. hertz ranges when you step out of 440 into 432. The heart chakra, what people say healing music, the heart, the green chakra is 528. Uh, and that's also mm. the highest physical resonating object. We talked about it in the last uh, The Why they're using the rose is interesting to me because <clears throat> it said that the rose is the highest vibrational physical object in nature. So that it, right. it resonates yeah. at 528 hertz and nothing resonates higher than that physically. Sweet. Yeah, that's what they say. Anyway, so it's all connected, which again, the rose symbolism to what you said about the heart, where it's located, and then the electricity component to it as well, it all just ties in, man. That's why this is awesome.
1: It's amazing. It really does. It it, it all ties in, and it all goes back to the very simple thing of frequency and vibration. And, and that's what it, it seems like everything is boiling down to. And, you know, this is just a couple different a- examples of layouts. One of uh, of the city of Baden, Germany. And then on the right here, we have just another uh, church in Athens. Um, but you, again, you're seeing that there, <laughs> there was so much intent put on this and even on a, a larger scale at the city level as well. And we saw this in, in our Starfort work when we were looking at that because not only did you see the star fort but then around it they also had whether it was gardens or fields or or canals they had elaborate works outside of it as well almost like it would radiate out from it mm-hmm. interesting. Wow. Interesting. And, interesting and this is what you were saying Brandon before about the windows i mean you look at that window and <laughs> that that is just a, i mean it's so powerful and This What's interesting about this church is that it was dedicated to two patron saints, not only the Virgin Mary, but St. John the Baptist. So it's aligned in the the sun rises on the choir during the summer solstice, which is the Feast of John the Baptist. The sun sets on the winter solstice. It runs through the nave where the two towers flank the great rose window. And that's during the time of, of the
2: Virgin Mary if i may jump in quickly that that circular uh window at the very top there's also to me at least remin- including the one on the left as well reminiscent to me of the um uh the eric dr eric Lathwaite, um ma- the founding the father of maglev trains um Basically, he was doing certain experiments with concentric rings That's also seemed to be similar to the alleged organization of the concentric rings that uh, inhabited at least the alleged capital of Atlantis. And it all seems to be having to do with three to five concentric rings building upon a two-to-one ratio, which I find interesting. But I could be wrong.
3: Book of Enoch, wheel within a wheel. Ezekiel, I mean, yeah. Right, right. It, yeah, it, that it, too. Exactly,
2: yeah.
1: And that's what you see, right? And that's what a lot of these star forts resembled also were these patterns where you see the 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 fractals going out and that's what we we see across the realm and, and what's interesting is that they what we keep talking about before is they never messed with the sacred network of paris or france no matter who took over whether it was the the gaelics whether it was the romans whether, whether it was you know napoleon the kings the emperors the presidents they all left the sacred network alone i mean you even think about the nazis when they rolled into france they didn't do a lot of damage to the infrastructure that is so true they just came in and took over it wasn't like what they did to london or anywhere else so i found that quite interesting because i started looking back and digging into it and and what they've never been really destroyed that that has that built those buildings have been there
2: for time and memoriam hmm yeah it's to your point it's almost as if there it's too too um dare i say cons- not in good or bad regards but too conspiratorial to believe that throughout hundreds perhaps thousands of years the underlying infrastructure was never messed with in any of these countries like that think of all the battles that took
1: place there I, it's,
2: right? it's, it's, in- not, it's not like it's just a couple hundred years a certain area was not touched we're talking like vast swaths of, of structures across multiple areas of land
3: yep. yeah you're that talking
2: all of france right all of france now uh to
1: counter that look at what they did to germany and look at what they've done to yeah. germany throughout the 20th century right it's yeah. been nothing but trying to destroy everything in germany and yeah. when you look back who gave the romans the most hell it was always the germans and there's, I, I feel like there's something very powerful about the German land and the German air, that area, uh, that is why they, especially in this century, the, or the previous century, they had such an emphasis to destroy and disorient it.
2: Well, I could tell you that there's a lot of secret fas- alleged facilities in Bavaria. Yep yeah so I mean there's um, something I I think I get what you're getting at Matt perhaps uh even <laughs> yeah there's something there that even I'm like okay there's something perhaps a legitimate intersection of a ley line perhaps I I don't know but to your point of how there's always this clash with what used to be the Prussian people that are now German you know Bavaria and all that yeah very good point
3: it, Bavaria that has the pyramids underground that they like heal people and they like aren't supposed to say that they're there and they're larger than the ones at giza aren't there there's a ton of pyramids all over the place that are larger than the ones at giza there's a and
2: lot there's, of interesting they're, stuff they're, uh, they're they're has, some
3: um, under like their mountains They're really pyramids and they know where the entrance is and they go in there and heal people and shit. That's like an if you
2: look at even some of the founders of what we now call quantum physics or quantum, anything quantum, whether it's Max Planck or whether it's uh, um, hemholtz or Gauss, these are all people that were that generally came from that Bavarian conglomerate, which Mm -hmm. is interesting. So,
3: Hmm. one quick thing to the slide before you said that one of those temples was built, John the Baptist, and uh, the virgin mary uh yeah the virgin mary is synonymous with virgo the virgin and uh virgo the virgin is synonymous with isis uh, another tie-in to osiris there, there we go it I all connects sure brandon that all got that matt
0: yeah. can i add something to that last slide before you move on um the one before i just want to paint a picture and i i don't want to disrupt where you were going that's the sacred grid that you were laying out there is, is really important it's um i'm learning a lot as we go here but I just wanted to kind of paint a picture here where we're looking at are like basically cymatic patterns, right? Crystalline cymatic patterns, star forts reflect them. These rose windows reflect them, snowflakes and so forth. And, you know, photographs of of, um, you know, sounds projected into water all create these cymatic patterns or sand on a tin sheet. Right. We've all seen these these videos. So if you could imagine, you know, you have this crystalline building, right? With all of the sacred geometry, with all these materials, uh, stone and metal and glass that have this uh, like piezoelectric, um, electromagnetic properties, right? And placed in such a way that they vibrate and they hold vibration, right? And then you have on on the one end you have a pipe organ, sometimes with like 40,000 intonations, projecting, some of which are not even audible to the human ear, which is interesting if you think about that, projecting all of this sound vibration through this crystalline structure with the focal point of this uh, cymatic rose window, projecting that outwards into the community beyond. I mean, what an awesome device this thing is.
2: I didn't even think of that incredible yeah incredible picture picture. yeah I just why because again if that is also a hub of power resonance storage harvesting healing why would it not also be attempted at the very least and perhaps very likely successfully used to propagate outwards right yeah, yeah. This, yeah, this
3: what that slide about the obelisk that Matt showed last time was about awesome slide too, where it shows the energy going out from it. It's all about this projection and propagation and perpetuation of energy, and it seems the grids were apprehended in that way. But mm-hmm. now again, they've been built to deliberately disturb that and perturb that, which has an interesting effect on society. So right. a beautiful picture, all of this, man. Just and guys, I just
0: want it's it's the as within so without. It's it's both and. You, that's
2: that's incredible, that's right. I was wondering, guys, if uh, when the, within the next, say, five, ten minutes, we could wrap it up just because we've surpassed the one hour point. And I just again, this is probably the most in-depth and one of the best conversations I've had in months, perhaps even. So cool. uh, yeah. Yeah. So
1: yeah. We're we're good here, Dave. We can we can wrap it up anywhere. I, I just wanted to get through kind of the cathedrals yes. uh, sure. with us. And and that's where we are. And this th- this kind of just gets into who built them. I mean, that's more on the historical side. But what you find interesting is that uh, this this piece I found interesting is that in the 14th century, this group called the the Companions Guild is created by Jacques de, Jacques de Maille, who was in the Knights Templar. Well, the Knights Templar was ordered to be dissolved in 1312 by Pope Clement, and just as they're dissolved, this group, the Companions comes around and surfaces and they are these master craftsmen they can work with stone wood they're masons they work with glass uh they know all of the uh, arches rose windows i mean you name it these guys are like the builders and they're the ones who are given credit for a lot of these uh gothic cathedrals just popping up Mm. so that was one of the things i just wanted to let people it's another interesting thing for people to look into is to right. look into how one one team goes away and another yep. team pops up i mean it's it's the playbook that is used throughout history it's these te- they the, the, the
2: right. players are still there they just change uniforms yeah. right
3: That's a great it's analogy
2: very well said um yeah. is it all right if i if i cut the screen sharing or did you want to share anything else yes i will stop oh. right now go right Sorry, ahead no. Thank you so much. Well, before we wrap it up, I just wanted to give, first off, Matthew, man, thank you so much for coming on. We'd love to have you back on the the next time we do this, whether it's next weekend or the following or whatever works for us when we chat after we're done the recording. Before we do that, could you please let uh, my audience and everyone and Brandon's and Matt's audience uh, let us know where your podcast can be found? Yeah, this this is an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much uh, for this opportunity so my pod- podcast
0: uh, marvelous old world is currently just up on youtube i started a couple months ago and um yeah i've got more ideas than time right now but um you know so we'll just there it is yeah and if you're interested in my architecture work i'm at dreamdesignbuild.org.
2: and uh, yeah that's where you'll find me that is incredible and of course uh, matt if you wanted to let everyone my audience know where you could be found Yeah, you can find me, uh, Great
1: Deception Podcast. I'm on Instagram. I'm on YouTube, Patreon. uh, And feel free, if you want to hit me up on Instagram, I respond to as many DMs as I can. So the Great Deception Podcast there. Feel free to reach out. Thank you again, guys. Always a pleasure
2: speaking with you. Thank you guys so much. And Brandon, of course, for my audience.
3: I was pulling yours up, Matt. It wouldn't load fast enough. (laughs) I live in the country, dude, the internet, you know what I mean? Okay, well, uh, yes, uh, expandingrealitypodcast.com. Guys, this was incredible. Thank you so much. There's so many, as always, so many mind-blowing things going on up there and so many more questions, which is a great thing for all of us. So thanks again, gentlemen, just an honor, honestly. And yes, let's chat uh, after we stop this recording. Well done, all of you.
2: Awesome. And for those, just for anyone else that puts it up on their end, um, Gen Z Podcast or Generation Z ZED Podcast on Spotify, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube, of course, Patreon.com slash Generation Z spelled ZED, as well as uh, Dave Z. com. So thank you so much, guys, and uh, we'll cut the recording here. and uh I'm talking about the real owners now.
0: well we know what they want they want more for themselves and less for everybody else but i'll tell you what they don't want they don't want a population of citizens capable of critical th- <laughs>